Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Rebuilding the Black Family with myself, Carl Lewis, and David Grant. We're so glad that you've joined us. We've got an exciting episode for you today. Now, you know, since um, Rebuilding the Black Family is really about changing the foundation of how we see ourselves and one another, we started the, uh, this season in episode one in looking at black beauty or the beauty of being black. We then proceeded to look at uh, fighting or challenging self-hatred among people of color and people who are black. And I really believe it was, a, it was important that we began there because the positive, positive acceptance of how we see ourselves, how we accept ourselves, is really fundamental to our success in how we navigate the world that we're in. And for example, so much of um, the pressure young people and even just regular adults face in trying to change different parts of their body. There's the, uh, the uh, different phenomenon of people trying changing their butt size. Uh, just a lot of uh, things and a lot of that without being, and I'm, I'm saying it from an empathetic heart, I believe a lot of that is rooted in the lack of acceptance of who you are. And as a black person, we want you to have a certain pride about being black. There's a healthy pride about being black. And a lot of this is you've got to see yourself right. You've got to think right. As the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You will be what you think about yourself. So today, that takes us to this episode. We're going to talk about mental health. And we've got our resident expert, Mr. David Grant. Pleasure to be here, Carl, and uh, to continue this conversation on the various, you know, aspects of black life, of African life that, mm -hmm. you know, is uh, important to recognize when mm -hmm. we're talking about rebuilding the black family. So especially when we're talking mental health mm -hmm. and schizophrenia, a very, um, I guess you could say not well talked about mm -hmm. disorder mm -hmm. uh, amongst our people in the community mm -hmm. that I think I, I want to help shed light onto. Um, I look forward to the discussion. And I, I'm glad that you, we have uh, your expertise to draw upon, David, on this subject specifically. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to mental health and the African diaspora, yes. um, first of all, define for us what is mental health. Very good. So... <sighs> According to the World Health Organization, and I'm paraphrasing just because I don't have the d exact definite uh, definition in front of me, but from what I understand World Health Organization is, mental health is essentially the ability to think, feel, and function, i.e. behavior, in a way that is, for one, conducive to one's environment, mm -hmm. that uh, promotes safety, that promotes well-being, and is, uh, you know, basically all of that encompass is a person who's able to feel good about themselves, right? And it not interfere in their various occupation or even academic life. So that essentially is what the World Health Organization defines mental health. I mean, from Western school of thought, it used to be mental health or physical health in general. Health used to be considered simply the absence of disease, mm -hmm. right? According to Western school mm -hmm. of thought. Mm -hmm. Now, much of that, um, in my opinion, still permeates a lot of the various physicians and social workers mm -hmm. and even psychologists in the in the respective field of uh, mental health specifically, and I would even say in health. But in not per se 
dashing away that definition, but nuancing it when we're talking from an African-centered lens, for when we're referring to African people, it's not simply an individualized understanding of what mental health is, and it's not... You cannot define mental health outside of physical health. I mm-hmm. mean, now Cam H mm-hmm. is even picking up this uh, idea that mental health is health, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. is something we as African people have always understood. So mental health essentially is, when we define it from an African-centered lens, is nothing more than another component of one's overall health. So we talk physical health, spiritual health, mm-hmm. mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot disconnect it from environmental health. Mm-hmm. So how the environment is in terms of its health, we cannot separate that from how then it influences our own health, right? So when we're looking at mental health from that lens, we see it now in a more holistic, holistic. sense. And it's a part of that person's overall uh, being as it relates to their even respective social health, their community, their family, right? So all of that is interconnected. Now, David, you mentioned a, a, a segment that stuck with me. Yes. Is you said... Um part of the definition of mental health is feeling good about oneself. Yes. I like that. Yes. That really stuck to me. Yes. So now in in um, building on what is mental health, David, what is mental illness then? Mm, Since we know good. then it is spiritual health, soul health, physical health, but now with this mental health component, as you said, it's become much more... We've, We've gained holistic, much more, it's more holistic. But yeah. also I'm saying mental health has been accepted or yes. acknowledged, yes. you know, as a vital part of our overall health. Yes. So, but what is mental illness? Very that, good. That, so, that's something. Help us m- understand so that. mental illness would therefore be no different than physical gotcha. illness. You yep. see what yep. I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I'm really trying to simplify things. Mm-hmm. Mental illness is ailment in one's psyche, right? Gotcha. If we understand it from a Western standpoint, that is illness in the mind in isolation of everything else, mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. But if we understand it again as part of your overall health, which is what we see Western thought starting to, uh, they're starting to move that definition into you. that realm. But this is what, you know, the Asian, you know, and I say Asia, I mean West, East, South Asian mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. understood mental health to be. This is what we as African people, indigenous people of the Americas, we've always understood mental health or mental illness as part of overall illness. Gotcha. So, When we start to understand what is mental illness, essentially it's about being out of balance with your inner, basically your inner core, Hmm. right? So when we think of any, for instance, we take any disorder, and I've even come to this conceptualization in conversation with clinicians in my own practice. You take any disorder, and we'll focus on schizophrenia today, but this is, again, just based off of my experience, Mm -hmm. a lot of these disorders are based off of imbalance. You look at depression. Depression is... A essentially a very is experiencing very low mood, very low motivation, irritability, hmm. uh, a very bleak outlook on life, a struggle with low self esteem and, and and you know a very um uh, a very just yeah overall a very low affect right so we're looking at a very imbalanced understanding of one's mood right. When we look at anxiety, it's an excessive worry about one's future, anticipation, right? The inability to be in the present moment. Again, imbalance, you're solely focused on the future. Depression, you're solely focused on how bleak your present reality is. You take personality disorders, it's the it's inflexible ways of thinking, inflexible ways of feeling. So you see what I mean? It's an imbalance. So all, everything you've just mentioned yeah. in the last minute and a half 
they're all internal things. Yes. You know, they're not necessarily physical initially. But it can manifest into yes. physical. But Very I'm just good. saying everything you just mentioned. It's internal. It's internal. Which is influenced by external things. Gotcha. So it's both internal uh, uh, processes working, you know, sometimes in conflict with one another. Which when we look at personality disorders, a lot of it is internal conflict. Right? Same thing with actually a lot of um, these different disorders. But it's also influenced by external things. So to bring that all together, when we're talking about mental illness, essentially what we're talking about is an imbalance internally. Right? And it's trying to understand what is influencing that imbalance. Same thing with physical illness. It's an imbalance physically and causing some sort of physical ailment, some sort of physical deterioration. Right? And so the job of the clinician, the job of the physician is to try to get back imbalance One's mental, one's physical, etc. Now, I'm glad I wanted to slow down a little bit. I know we're going to mm-hmm. get and focus on um, schizophrenia. Yes. Uh, but I liked the emphasis or the definition of mental health or yes. mental illness. And yes. That is a lot of these internal things. Yes. And I think what we want make our audience to understand is there are things that can be happening inside someone, in yes. their soul, if you will. Very in, good. In, in, in their mental capacity. Yes. That they may not be, just because it's not physical, Very good. it doesn't mean it's not real. It's an invisible illness, as one would say. Okay. Because, it's yeah, it's not uh, clear to the naked eye. All you would know is based off of how they speak, how they interact, or how they behave, that something may not be all right there with that person, possibly internally. So that's really the only indicators that's that good. you can so see. So you said a lot in a short period of time, David. Mm-hmm. Now, let's get to this then. Okay. So what is schizophrenia? So, you know, I think a lot of times that can be misunderstood, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even not even known yes. in some quarters. Mm-hmm. So help us to understand. So what is schizophrenia? Let's start there. Very good. So schizophrenia is a psychotic disorder. This is what it's recognized, whether it's in the ICD-11, which is the International Classification of, the, uh, of Disorders, uh, which is the international guide for understanding and diagnosing mental disorders mm-hmm. for people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, the DSM-5 now, it's in the fifth edition, which is used typically in, you know, in Western countries, def- and it was definitely in, uh, Euro- you know, in the Euro-American sphere and definitely in the Euro-Canadian sphere. Um, it's no- So schizophrenia is known in those respective manuals as a psychotic disorder. But what people oftentimes don't know is that schizophrenia is one psychotic disorder. It is not the psychotic disorder. There's schizoaffective disorder. There's sometimes depression with psychotic features, right? There's substance-induced psychotic disorders. And so essentially what schizophrenia is, the word schizo comes from the Greek word to or meaning split. So it's a split in reality. So when people say they had a psychotic break, what happens is they detached from their current reality. So they were not present in the reality. So if you were to talk to that person about things that they were seeing, about things that they believed, they would think that they were true, that they were actually true because they're not present in this reality. They are detached and in another reality. And phrenia comes from the Greek, uh, you know, comes from the Greek word friend, which means mind, right? So when we're talking a split from reality, we're talking a split, particularly in the mind. So this is what schizophrenia is. I can further elaborate mm-hmm. more in terms of what that looks like. But that's essentially what schizophrenia means. And it is not, the, the phenomenon is not unique to the Western Hemisphere. They just called it schizophrenia. But psychotic disorders have been happening uh, since the beginning of time in various um, ancient civilizations. And how it was understood was conducive to the respective cultures in which it was understood. So schizophrenia essentially 
is and mental health in general, it cannot be disconnected from culture because how cultures perceive certain disorders is going to affect how they treat it and how they perceive it. So, David, um, thanks for the definition of schizophrenia, because mm -hmm. oftentimes we, don't, we want people to know what it is and what it isn't. Yes. Um, so that people don't misdiagnose themselves yeah, or diagnose themselves. So, you know, in that, in terms of what it is and just a couple of things, yeah. if you talk to yourself, right, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you per se have schizophrenia. Some people just engage in self-talk, you know, mm -hmm. my, myself included. I'll just, mm -hmm. you know, be thinking to myself, you know, when you prep yourself for a quiz or for a presentation mm -hmm. or a game for or for even a sermon, right? You're like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, what am I going to do? That, that doesn't mean you have schizophrenia. That just simply means you're engaging in self-talk. Why? Because you are present in reality. You are oriented, right, in terms of what is happening around you. Um, you know, that's an yeah, example good. of, you know, what's not schizophrenia. There's others, but I just want to let people know that it's not simply people who talk to themselves. That is sometimes a feature that's oftentimes more the severe feature, but it can sometimes look a bit more subtle in other ways, which I'll explain later. So, David, what has been black people's experience then, um, I guess, maybe generally, with schizophrenia? Hmm. Ooh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, so when we say black people's experience with schizophrenia, my first piece is that schizophrenia is not unique to black people, right? Anybody of any respective culture has the, um, you know, has a potential to experience schizophrenia, experience some sort of psychotic disorder related to environmental issues, gen genetic stuff, um, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. But with black people, what makes their experience with schizophrenia so unique is that the way black people, we as African people, our minds, our, our, our phenomena, our behavioral phenomena has been perceived since we've come in contact with Europeans, you know, from the time of the uh, slave trade and during colonialism, they have always perceived our existence as abnormal. So even when we're engaging in healthy behavior, for instance, resisting slavery, for right. instance, protesting against oppression, mm -hmm. for instance, um, not wanting to work on the plantation, or even mm -hmm. when we come out of work on the plantation, maybe not wanting to work per se because we were working for over 200 years for free. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They would perceive that normal behavior, normal responses to aversive stimuli or stimulus as abnormal. Because our existence as African people to them was abnormal. So when we talk about black people and schizophrenia, there has been growing research mm -hmm. uh, demonstrating that black people are more likely to be misdiagnosed with schizophrenia. It doesn't mean we don't experience it, but because people perceive African people and uh, our behaviors and our, our, our expressions of emotion and things about us as abnormal, they are more likely to misinterpret certain behavioral practices especially certain spiritual practices that may actually be healthy where we may actually be in present in reality but because it's uh, foreign to some let's say um, non-african people mm -hmm. on the other side oftentimes white practitioners instead of asking questions they just jump to the conclusion saying this person must be detached from reality this person must be insane if i might say so this is where black people's experiences with schizophrenia has been um quite mucky, um, quite negative, essentially. So now, David, what about, I guess, psychosis then? I guess mm -hmm. that broader picture, is anything um, specific you want to speak relative to the well, experience psychosis. of black people? Well, psychosis, um, so for people who don't understand psychosis, psychosis is just the, is, is the um, proper term for when one detaches from reality, when they experience a, as one would say, a delusion, which a delusion mm -hmm. is a fixed belief, despite evidence proving it to the contrary. Right. So believing that, for instance, 
you know, this table is white. Although you look at it and it's like, it's clearly a black table. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's having this very strong belief that no, this table is white. Um, seeing things, right? Hallucin uh, you know, hallucinations, or as they call it, perceptual disturbances. Seeing things, hearing things, feeling things. When people, I've had clients who've tell me they feel a, a demon crawling throughout them. And, and it feels real. They're terrified when they're talking to you about it because they truly feel that they have this, they, they feel this sensory coming through their body, right? Um, although, it's you know they go through an MRI or you know even you visibly speaking you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. Same thing if you know uh, in terms of auditory hallucinations, it's like you know I, I hear this voice talking to me, right, and it's telling me to do things. Although there's no, clearly there's there's no voice, no one's hearing it. It's very real for them. So all of those things are um Psych are part of psychosis because okay. essentially what you what happening is you're detached from your or even paranoia believing that the CIA is after you believing that um you know you have to do something because you know uh you know especially if we're talking you know certain religious psychoses mm -hmm. um religious base somebody holy is going to come get you for instance mm -hmm. and you're very real like you're like they have a plan they're going to come get me on Thursday if I don't do this mm -hmm. again that paranoia um so all of that, that can, speaks to the, yeah, we could say, a mental illness, yes. the unhealthiness of someone's mind. Yes. Now let's go back to schizophrenia. You might yes. repeat yourself, so forgive no, us. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So speak to us about the signs and or symptoms of schizophrenia. Of schizophrenia Excellent. So there's, as they would say, positive and negative symptoms of schizophrenia. Um, now positive and negative, in my experience, don't necessarily mean. They're good and bad ones, but I honestly, I'm not sure why to call them positive or negative, but nonetheless, positive symptoms are, are, are I guess, the typical ones mm -hmm. of schizophrenia, Delu delusions, mm -hmm. hallucinations, um, paranoia, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, those three are the main positive symptoms. Can you repeat those three again? So paranoia, paranoia. Mm -hmm. hallucinations, mm -hmm. and delusions, gotcha. right? Those three. Mm -hmm. So with schizophrenia, mm -hmm. there would therefore be, there, there, there's issues in terms of, what messages, you know, there's abnormal messages that mm -hmm. are therefore coming in to the mm -hmm. brain and um, the medication oftentimes are dopamine um, blockers. So it's trying to block some of those messages um, to come in. But what ends, you know, what ends up happening is that when we're talking part of the negative symptoms, for instance, like flat affect or a very um, withdrawal, with, withdrawn look, it's this look of like one's blank, a blank stare, right? No reaction to specific stimulus or stimuli happening in front of them. So you'll notice some people with schizophrenia have mm -hmm. this very flat and look. Definitely. And they'll be talking about something that you one would perceive maybe as traumatic, right? But they don't react. So they'll say, yeah, you know, my mom got into a car accident and died when I was three. And they have a very flat affect. Um, and it's not because they're serial killers or it's not because they don't, you know, they aren't feeling it. Mm -hmm. But because there is that disruption in their minds as it pertains to those various messages that would typically evoke some sort of reaction, sad, mad, confusion, whichever, because that there's a disruption there, they are not able to react the same way that we would, where we maybe cry, we may get angry, we may be confused, right? Um, so that's a negative symptom. Another one is oftentimes a lack of interest in various things, you know, almost as very mechanical responses, not really much intonation in their voice. How you doing? Fine. What's new today? Nothing. Right. Very mm -hmm. monotone. Very so that's another negative sentiment. And I knew our third one is uh, 
more so this, I guess, social withdrawal and, and the struggle to maintain interpersonal relationships because they oftentimes withdraw as part of their symptoms. They just kind of go back into their own world. So those are three symptoms. So social or, you know, with or withdrawal from society, a lack of interest or, uh, you know, lack of, yeah, lack of interest in life and, you know, oftentimes a flat affect. So those are the three positive and those are three negative. So it seems, David, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, go ahead. That there are, there could be a chemical imbalance, could mm-hmm. be something, um, an actual disconnection of um, nerves in the brain or nervous system. There could be other, there could be, I guess, physical um, ailments. ailments. Yeah. Ailments. There, there is. And it's, um, that's, that's oftentimes how it starts, right? Um, but in terms of, and this is where the debate is, um, in my opinion, or my experience from my, my own knowledge, I don't think there's a debate, excuse me, per se in the fact that schizophrenia or psychotic disorders is as a result of, um, issues in the mind, right? Specifically, yeah, issues in the, you know, the biochemistry of, you know, mm-hmm. of the brain. and such. I don't think that's up for debate. I think what is up for debate is what has caused it and how it is perceived by society. What People may not realize, and I was reading an article about this, you know, about a day or so ago, as I was preparing for this, not even know this, that schizophrenia before used to be perceived as something that was essentially harmless, right? I think it was in like the 1960s and specifically in the States, and I would only presume maybe similarly in Canada, where it was uh, perceived as a disorder um, that was a link to neurosis, which neurosis is the the old term used mm-hmm. to describe people who are, you know, mildly mentally ill, mm-hmm. oftentimes very anxious mm-hmm. uh, about things. But I guess nothing to the extreme of something being severe in nature, like gotcha. maybe generalized anxiety yeah. disorder, for mm-hmm. instance. So mm-hmm. that's what neurosis was considered. They said the schizophrenia was related to neurosis and was typically associated with those of middle class, typically middle class, we can presume, white women, Euro-American mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. This is what schizophrenia used to be called. Until you see how it now connects with black people, until they started to see the social unrest of African people in the United States, until they started to see these protests against oppression, all of a sudden, schizophrenia became now associated with disorder, became associated with violence, became associated with aggression amongst black men. This is where schizophrenia now starts to earn, from what I can see, at least in the Euro-American sphere, a negative perception, right? It now became something related to being disruptive, right? And then probably, you know, and then probably as relates to even in the white community, maybe certain examples of people who had committed crimes who just so happened to have schizophrenia. This is where now the violent and and uh, antisocial aspect of schizophrenia now becomes attached to the disorder. So we can see now it almost became socially constructed this negative persona or this negative uh, perception of schizophrenia over time. So the issue per se wasn't with somebody detaching from reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look in, you know, respective African literature, for instance, traditional African literature, there's very ex- various examples of people who are detached from reality and people in the village were like, oh, you know, we'll take so-and-so. Yeah. He, he maybe just has a spiritual possession. We'll take care of him. There was not per se a negative perception. But, um, but, but now... We start to see this negative perception as soon as we talk in African people, especially in the colonial societies where African people were resisting oppression. We were resisting conforming to European expectations of what civilized looks like essentially to be a European. Mm-hmm. We were resisting that. We said, no, we're good as African people. This is where now we start to see these mental illnesses like schizophrenia come about. But I think in going back a little bit, <laughs> not to take us off course, but you just brought up a, a point. 
couldn't you say then there was a redefinition yes. of the word schizophrenia? Very That's good. one thing. Yeah. But then another thought in, in, in what you were communicating there is the concern for me, didn't that add to greater, um, not just misinformation, but misdiagnosis? Yes. If you broaden the definition, that means there could be some people diagnosed with schizophrenia, but we're not. Yes, very good. I'm that's, just I'm just asking. Just no, no, no. For, that's that's exactly that it, right? It, it it evokes even greater um, risk for misdiagnosis gotcha. um, amongst anybody, let alone us as Black people, um, who again our existence has been perceived as a pathology in and of itself. So now you add in specific diagnosis, and this is why, unfortunately, some Black people are now, of course, discouraged because of the misinformation. They're like, "Well, I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm not crazy." Yeah. Right. Because of the negative perception and the stigma attached to schizophrenia when that's not always how it's been. Right. Even our respective traditional African societies, it was in some cases, yes, perceived negatively because it was associated with demon possession and things along those lines. Yeah. But again, because it was a collectivistic atmosphere, we understood, OK, we need to collectively uh, rally around you to help you heal in respective manners from the shaman, from the uh, people, uh, experts in divination, the herbalists. But we didn't shun you. Right. We didn't shun you now in Western societies, because unfortunately we have adopted the practices of Western peoples who created asylums, who created these respective psychiatric institutions to isolate their peoples. We have adopted those in our respective countries where we're now there's stigma, there's shame attached to these diagnoses because unfortunately of the uh, the influences around us. Now, real quickly here, just for the time we have, if you need to maybe <clears throat> communicate again what schizophrenia is. Talk to us about the um, the treatment. Okay. Of, of it, if you if you very mind, good, please. So, um, if you uh, so if you believe that you're um, because typically the the first um, uh, sign that people are thinking, okay, maybe my brother, maybe my cousin, maybe my sister, whomever, maybe having schizophrenia is typically psychosis, as I defined mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, typically, what what I would say needs to happen is you try your best to first off keep that person safe um oftentimes uh you know some of our people who are diagnosed with schizophrenia experiences psychosis sometimes it's drug induced other times it comes about almost i don't want to say natural or organically um because organically is typically related to like a um like a stroke or something yeah. in the brain yeah. um but it sometimes uh, can just happen, you know, spontaneously. If that happens, so long as that person is keeping safe to themselves as well as other people, it should be okay. And so typically the first sign of schizophrenia is psychosis, right? This mm -hmm. is typically what people see when they see their um, son, their mm -hmm. daughter, mm -hmm. cousin, nephew, whomever, starting to withdraw from people's, starting to have these bizarre beliefs, what appear to be bizarre mm -hmm. beliefs, mm -hmm. this almost bizarre paranoia. Mm -hmm. um, you see their eyes kind of looking around the room. They maybe are wearing headphones more than usual. Maybe it's because they're hearing voices and they're trying to drown them out. Different. Those Notice certain behaviors that seem a bit, as one would say, mm -hmm. off, right? Um, so long as, and I tell people, I try to reassure them, if it's not something that's harmful to other people or themselves, or themselves mm -hmm. you should be good. And you ask them, it's like, hey, what's going on? I, you know, I'm, I'm just hearing some things or I'm seeing some things. Um, and you try to do some investigation. If you're not, if you don't feel safe enough to do that or if you don't feel competent enough to do that, maybe you bring them into, uh, you know, your local hospital, right? Get them assessed, maybe by a psychiatrist. I know the fear with that is, unfortunately, black people are so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
um, not treated appropriately mm-hmm. in these respective institutions. So I get there's the fear. Mm-hmm. I get there's the disinclination to want to even venture to that. Venture to that, but it's sometimes maybe your best bet if you if black people have a local black community health clinic, for instance, nearby. Maybe you go there, mm-hmm. right? You go there. Oftentimes, of course, a treatment to really answer your question is antipsychotic. So there's atypical, and back in the day, used to be typical. Typical was the ones you would see in the movies: the Thorazine, the um, the, how, the I think Haldol, right? Which was the uh, what, I guess the big essentially uh, uh, neuroleptics, the sedatives. The, that was the ones to knock people out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you see in movies like Beautiful Mind, yeah. right? But Apparently, from what I understand, there was a lot of negative side effects associated with those. So they moved to now atypical, uh, which is like Risperdone, which is now your Palipiderone, which is also called Invega, your Abilify. Those are now ones that they give people who have schizophrenia. And essentially what it does is it tries to block some of those abnormal messages uh, to the people who are experiencing, you know, the respective uh, psychosis and tries to help their brain heal, essentially. Right. And um, they can get it either in the shot, they can get it in a pill, I think there's a liquid, but oftentimes the typical pattern is to get it either via shot or taking a pill, right? And uh, sometimes they can get, you know, one as well as maybe one related to a mood disorder because you can also experience schizophrenia as well as another diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You can, ex- and what they call that comorbidity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can experience both schizophrenia and depression, schizophrenia and anxiety, right? Um, so this is what uh, the treatment usually looks like, as well as, you know, maybe getting psychotherapy, which is counseling, but in more depth related to the diagnosis. So that um, medication, I mean, they even say, you know, if we're talking from an African-centered lens, sometimes even drumming helps repair some of the neuroplasticity in the brain. So that's even some more natural, traditional healing remedies. Now, in terms of what that would look structured-wise, this is where we have to do some of the more research. This is what we have to, as black people, mm-hmm. we have to now start to try to systemize, gotcha. right? Mm-hmm. So, But there's different ways of essentially trying to heal the brain, probably even in parts of Africa and the Caribbean, they can probably have even more. So I'm trying to wind this up in a couple of minutes, but you're really saying a lot of important things that that is um, difficult to do justice. So I I apologize. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, But a couple of things in in just a few moments, we need to to address this. Um, Probably putting you on the spot, but talk to us about someone you've helped get through a a schizophrenia or some kind of psychosis and they've gotten through to the other side if you will and now they're you know they're very productive they're goal-oriented they're they're fulfilling what they want to do with their lives okay sure you know what okay so the first piece is in terms of helping a loved one Mm -hmm. um i guess breaking over that or jumping over that hurdle of uh helping that loved one get the support that they require and even venturing into seeing a professional, just considering, uh, you know, African people's experiences with, you know, uh, mental health practitioners, et cetera. What I would say is to, uh, well, first off, if, I mean, again, I know I'm based in Toronto, but um, people may be based in respective parts of Canada, maybe throughout the world. So I know people are tuning in, you know, all over the world in general. What I would say, first and foremost, if you have access, right, if you have access, mm-hmm. um, talk with your respective loved one about it first. I think one of the first major mistakes I see people do is make the decision for the loved one experiencing the illness because they are looking out for their best interest. I get it. But depending on their age, and oftentimes schizophrenia uh, peaks in the later teenage years, early adult years, 
right? So it's not as if it peaks at eight or nine or 10 years old. You may see some bizarre behavior, maybe some early signs, but you won't know oftentimes until they're at least maybe 16, 17, which is oftentimes when we see um, psychosis really hit like full, full throttle. Speak with the loved one about it. Right. Even if you're like, oh, but, you know, they're not in tumor reality. Mm-hmm. Talk with them. They're not that detached. Right. Because even with people with schizophrenia, they may be detached, but they're not so detached that you can't have a conversation with them. This is, again, trying to do away with that stigma. Mm-hmm. Right. That you can't speak to them like a human being. Mm-hmm. You can't treat them like a human being. You don't have to treat them now. They're like a lost case. Mm-hmm. Talk with them. Again, do do your own little family assessment of okay, uh, what you know, what are you hearing, or what are you seeing? Are you okay? You know, even if it's a bizarre belief that mm-hmm. they have, if it's something that appears to be harmless, monitor. Right, you don't per se have to jump right on it. Um, really, times people who jump on it is because they're embarrassed themselves, mm-hmm. but that person may not actually be harmed yeah. to themselves. Yeah. But doing some of those things, right? Mm-hmm. If it now starts to progress where you're you're maybe getting a bit worried, for instance, right? You, I would say, look at your local community health center. Um, maybe even look at, um, you know, maybe even look in the directory. For instance, in, in Canada, we have black therapist list, right? Call a black therapist, you know, just to even have a consultation and say, listen, this is where I'm going. Let the professionals help guide you, right, of mm-hmm. where to, as to where to go. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel comfortable right away going to the hospital, I've had, you know, people mm-hmm. reach out to me for these type of consultations. And again, I do them for free, you know, mm-hmm. 15, 20 minutes. We just talk. Sometimes that helps save people's lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And people have told me like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for the direction. I didn't know where to go. Sometimes that's all people need. So reach out maybe to a local black therapist who can maybe help you with that. Maybe you reach out to, again, some of these other black psychologists who have their contact info out there and let them do that work for you. And mm-hmm. then you go about it from there. Right. You know, that's, I think, a good place to start. There's, I think, different Mm -hmm. directions, but I think that's That's a good good place place to start. So that's the first piece. Second one, in terms of, like, a success story. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, uh, you know, I had um, a young man. uh, He had experienced psychosis. I think it was... um, I think it was auditory. Yeah, he experienced auditory hallucination. He experienced some uh, some paranoia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't diagnosed per se with schizophrenia, but there's also this other term they call it, unspecified schizophrenia mm-hmm. spectrum mm-hmm. disorder, which essentially is this person experienced oftentimes a first episode psychosis that is not substance-induced uh, related um, but it's not full-blown schizophrenia because maybe the symptoms haven't persisted for a certain amount of time. Um, so they just say unspecified schizophrenia, uh, spectrum disorder. Sometimes it evolves into schizophrenia oftentimes, or sometimes I should say it may just be a first episode or one time experience of psychosis, right? Mm -hmm. Now for this gentleman, I mean, he discharged himself, so I'm not sure if it continued, but when he first came in, it was some of those symptoms that I was talking Mm -hmm, about, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, him and actually his brother, they both experienced psychosis. Um, I think the brother was more visual hallucinations and, the first appointment that I had, it was them firing questions. They were, you know, they had ex- they had experienced the psychosis. Um, they had to go to the hospital. They're inpatient for a day or so, or you know, a couple of days, and then they came out. First one was just firing questions: What's wrong with me? Am I going to die? Where am I going to go from this? They were nervous. Just you know, they're engaged. You know, especially mm-hmm. the one brother was engaged in some bizarre behaviors. He was lying down, standing up. He just kind of had this very flat affect. He didn't know how to act. Right. It was me helping work through him, you know, helping to correct some of those thoughts, you know, helping work through that, you know, his mind and helping him to self-regulate and helping him to 
and vocalize his sentiments and help him work through some of those feelings, right? For, which mm-hmm. is what I do as a therapist mm-hmm. in conjunction with the psychiatrist helping monitor his medication, make sure he has a pretty decent dosage. Not too high because they love to over-medicate, mm-hmm. unfortunately, black men, mm-hmm. right? That's another issue, which mm-hmm. I can speak to another day. They love to over-medicate mm-hmm. people in general mm-hmm. with psychotic disorders, let alone black men. Um, but he had a pretty uh, humble dosage, right? After a couple a couple sessions, I think it was about three or four that you know were spread out over time. He was doing well with his medication. I saw it in his charts. He was doing well, and even when he spoke with me, I saw the note, uh, the difference in behavior. I saw the difference in even how he was uh, greeting me, right, showing a bit more uh, affect. You know, having mm-hmm. a bit more conversation. He was even sitting longer. He wasn't fidgeting. Mm-hmm. He wasn't looking around. He was even saying some of the voices were not as prominent. He wasn't experiencing the same level of delusions. He was actually becoming aware. He was becoming conscious mm-hmm. that he was actually experiencing that. That's pro- some of the problems. When you have schizophrenia, you may not be fully conscious that you're experiencing a delusion or hallucination. So my point is, I saw this after various sessions that we worked to the point where he said, David, I think I'm good. I'm good. I think I can go That's and look excellent. back for work. I'm going to, you know, go back and start going for walks again. I'm going to actually start, you know, uh, maybe applying for school, right? He was in the mind mm-hmm. space and mm-hmm. he was healthy enough that he felt that he would do it. And that's what we, I told him. I said, you're going to be able to get through this. And mm-hmm. he did, right? Now, in terms of how he's been doing thus far, I haven't heard from him, but I'm going to, I'm going to uh, presume he's doing well. Even his mother had thanked me for the work that I've been doing with him as well as a psychiatrist because she noticed a change in his behavior. So, so that's, that's an example. So getting back... That was, we could say, he got restored back to more of a healthy mind. Yes. And healthy mental capacity. Yes. Healthy connections. He, you know, healthy overall. He yeah. was more connected to family, mm-hmm. more connected to nature, more mm-hmm. connected to himself, right? So it wasn't just he was now like, okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. It was like people around him were saying. the evidence of it. Yeah. That's exactly now, it. just to wrap this up, Dave, yeah. talk to us about, like, a overall mental health. How does one maintain a good mental health what are the key factors practices exercise we all need to, excellent to have in our lives excellent um so and i'll make sure you keep this brief going back to that holistic understanding mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. mental health you therefore need to hit those different sections of one's overall health so trying your best to eat right they say that Something you know, one's diet has implications yeah. mm-hmm. for one's mental health and you know the onset of mental illness, right? You know, so eating right, trying to eat, have a balanced diet of fruits and vegetables, and you know, having your grains, etc. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a balanced diet, exercise. I mean, the the exercise helps to release those mm-hmm. endorphins that can help to uh, to really be, uh, you know, I guess battle against depressive mood states, right? Can help increase your mood and not feel as depressed. It can even help lower some of your anxiety levels. So exercise. So again, we're talking about the physical realm. If you're spiritual, engaging in prayer, engaging in, um, you know, meditation Mm -hmm. and engaging in those spiritual practices, because that also helps. And again, plenty of studies have shown that those who are more connected to spirituality or religion have healthier mental states, Right. Because you are taking the burden off of yourself and placing it onto the most high a respective mm-hmm. deity. Now, you don't want to go to the extreme of not recognizing that maybe you're unwell because you're thinking, well, you know, God's in control. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just leave it there because that's sometimes the issue. Yep. With religion and mm-hmm. mental illness get conflated. 
Um, but that's the spiritual realm. So you can do that in the spiritual realm. Um, engaging in uh, reading exercise and writing to keep your mind um, active, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even sometimes when we're talking dementia, the decline of the mind because of not putting your mind to re- uh, to, to work and keeping it. So reading, writing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Keeping, keeping active. Um, and even being connected to nature. I mean, there's a lot of healing potential related to just being by water, right? Just being in natural environments rather than just always being in the city, yeah. always being near pollution and, and concrete and concrete buildings, etc. So get out of the get concrete out of the city. jungle. Yeah, get out of the concrete jungle, go into the woods, go you. into the bush. So those are different remedies, natural remedies that you can do just to help you feel better about yourself and even to have a you know more clear head. That's what I do. And this is what I've seen even some of my clients do. So, and also having the social interactions, maintaining social connections, because as we can see with the pandemic, social isolation and mental illness go together like oxtail and rice and peas, go together like curry goat and white rice. They are one in the same. If you are socially isolated, the mental illness is like just peaking, just right there in the shadow. You, you want to get me hungry right now. Hey, come <laughs> on now. <laughs> Maintain those social connections. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm speaking to you as a guest instead of a co-host. Right. <laughs> but um, thank you so much, David. Really appreciate welcome. your expertise in Most communicating definitely. on this this vital area of mental health. Again, you've been joining us for another Rebuilding the Black Family episode. Thank you very much. I trust this program has really helped you and edified you. Tell your friends and family about it. Um, again, thanks for joining myself. Carl Lewis and David Grant for Rebuilding the Black Family. And we look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, it is the truth that makes you free. See you next time.